Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jim. All right, in Philippians in chapter number 1. And let me say before I read the text, I'll read verse 9 and verse 10 together, uh, that for some time now I've been bringing messages on that has come from the thought in the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians where we reap what we sow and the Bible talks about sowing to the spirit and sowing to the flesh and for so long now that I can't remember I've been bringing messages related to sowing to the spirit and there's a verse in that uh, chapter that says as we have therefore opportunity let us do good uh, to all men and especially them of the household of the faith and so I've been sharing with you that prayer is one of those ways to sow to the Spirit. And it would just make all kinds of sense that that would be true. Because we understand that we really don't know what we ought to pray for. The Bible tells us that in the book of Romans. And so we depend on the Spirit's leadership in our prayer life. And uh, He can lay things on our heart, burden us for different things. Now, the last several times that we've looked at this... I've been sharing with you that there's verses, passages in the Bible that tells us things that we can pray, that we can pray. And uh, uh, we've looked in Ephesians chapter 1 at some of those things and chapter 2. And then in this passage of Scripture, and taking what Paul said, he says in verse 9, and this I pray. So if Paul could pray that, then we can too. And the Bible says, he said, this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Now, uh, the last time we looked at this, uh, I, had, I had shared with you just the last statement in verse 10. Only that statement, until the day, till the day of Christ, the day of Christ. And uh, I, I shared with you that this, this means that one day that he's, he's coming back again, and uh, uh, he shall judge the world in righteousness, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. And he will take vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. We're told that in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 uh, through 10. And when he comes back also, the Bible says uh, that uh, to be, uh, uh, well, let me turn there. I can't exactly remember uh, what that said. So in, in the book of Second uh, Thessalonians, uh, and I want to get that right because there's one part of that that is real special. Second Thessalonians and chapter number two. Second Thessalonians and chapter number two, and or ch- chapter number one. And I'm going to read this. It says, "And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with all His mighty angels in flaming tire, fire." taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished 
with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power. And then this is a neat verse in verse 10. It says, When He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So that's another thing that's there. And then for the redeemed, the Bible says, And every one of us shall give an account of himself before God. And that's found in the book of Romans in chapter 14 and verse 12. That means that every saved person will give an account of their stewardship of God's grace in their life. And it's not to determine whether you're saved or not, but it's to determine the stewardship uh, of, your, of the grace that He has given and rewards that we would get. So that's what I shared with you the last time. Just jumped all the way uh, to the end of that verse 10. So now... I want to back it up and I want to share with you the first part of that verse. Now, one of the things that, that I had shared with you is that our love may abound. That's what Paul was praying. Love may abound. One of the things we did was go through the scripture finding that word abound and how it's used. And it means to exceed a measurement, to go over and above. And so this really is about Christian growth, really. And uh, he says more and more. And then there was a limited scope to that because he says here uh, in, uh, in knowledge. And so our growth is in line with our understanding of the Word, of the Word of God. And then he says in all judgment, and I shared with you that that word judgment is not the judgment of God that's coming on this earth, but it is discernment. And so when we grow in love, when we grow as a Christian, then we grow in our knowledge of the word at the same time, and then we grow in our ability to discern. And that's the basis actually for what you have in verse number 10. He says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may approve things that are excellent. And I looked up that statement and uh, tried to determine exactly what that means, things that are excellent. And what it means is, as a result of our ability to discern, we're able to uh, measure things, test and prove uh, good things uh, that differ, is what that's talking about. So actually, it is to be able to determine what the best of the good is in, in our life. Determine that. So simply uh, looking at it in that term, love issues in spiritual discernment to be able to test all things, to attest them. And of course, approve there means that we test that and prove that uh, in a relationship with uh, those things that we disapprove of uh, as we learn the Scripture. Now, the, the best commentary, I think, on that statement, if you will look back with me in the book of Romans in chapter number 12. In Romans chapter 12, and uh, it, this goes right along with what this is saying here. In Romans chapter 12, and verse, I'll read verse 1, and then I want to point out verse number 2. Verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now number two, this is what I want to point out. He says there, 
and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that's a command, and then here is the reward of that, that you may be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may be able to approve, or you may be able to test and prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now you can understand how that falls into line with our statement that's made in verse number 10. That you may approve things that are excellent. Approve things that are uh, excellent. And so we we prove what is the good will of God uh, so far as we heed the commandment that's given there in verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we learn in First uh, John chapter 5 and verse 3 that his commandments are not grievous. Uh, that's a blessing that we receive. Uh, Psalms 19 and verse 11, in keeping them there is great reward. And so... Uh, many times over the years, I've been asked the question, how do I know God's perfect will for my life? And that is a good question. It's a good question. And I want to tell you based on the statement that's made here in our text, and also in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, I believe that comes with growth. I believe that it comes as we uh, study and as we learn the scripture. Uh, Brother Moore and I were talking a while ago about a statement that someone made about just reading the Word of God without studying it. And, we, of course, we know we can do that. And I know that some of you probably uh, are like myself. You have read through the Bible. You have read passages. And then I've gotten so I just can't do that anymore because things keep coming to my mind. Questions are raised about what something means and how that applies to our life. And the Bible does say, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I've been asked that question many times. How do I know the perfect will of God in my life? And so it comes that way. It comes by being not conformed with the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's growing in our thinking, growing in our understanding, growing in our knowledge uh, of the Word of God, and discernment, as we have pointed out in our text here, in determining what the perfect will of God is for our life. And we're thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit as He deals with us, as He brings uh, passages of Scripture to our mind, as we think of passages of Scripture comes to our mind related to knowing the will of God. So what the Bible is saying here is that love is a motivator. It motivates this. And to grow in love is to grow in our ability uh, to uh, tell what the will of God is. Ro love that is regulated uh, by knowledge in the Word of God. So uh, Christians who desire to grow uh, need to understand that growth is, it requires uh, that we learn the Bible. It's, it's a part of that. We cannot grow apart from that. We, one will not grow apart from that. Then he goes on in this 10th verse and he says, um, 
that you may approve the things excellent, that you may be sincere, that you may be sincere. Now we know that that, uh, that word, we know what that means to be sincere. It's only used in two places in the New Testament, and the other is in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, and it, it uh, is translated the word pure, the word pure. The noun form of that is found three other places in the New Testament, and it's uh, translated sincerity. And so it's the opposite of counterfeit and pretense. I run across something interesting related to that uh, in, in looking at that word and studying the word. The, our English word comes from a Latin word. I think I found this in Barnes' notes, Albert Barnes' commentaries. And uh, the meaning of the word, the original word in the Latin, is without wax. Without wax. So, as you can imagine, I got real interested in that and wanted to know what that meant, uh, sincere being without wax. And what I learned was that in uh, the, ancient, the ancient Romans uh, produced porcelain uh, of real high value, real high value, but it was really sensitive and it was fragile. And in the process of producing it, it could have cracks in it. And so what dishonest dealers uh, did related to that is they come up with a white wax that they could take those cracks that uh, developed in that porcelain and they could put cover that up and you couldn't see it. The only way you could tell it was to hold that up to the sunlight. Hold it up to the sunlight. And it would show. It would show that that wax was there. So I thought that was an interesting thing uh, that that word meant without wax and being exposed by the sunlight. So we all are interested in that. We want to we wanna be sincere. We want to be sincere in all uh, that we do. And then uh, it says with sin, with sincere, and without offense, without offense to the day of, of Christ. Now, I didn't uh, share anything with you about that when I was bringing a message about till the day of Jesus Christ. Now, that just simply means that day's coming. It's coming for every one of us. It's coming when Jesus returns to this earth or if we pass from this life by way of death. There will come a point when there's not anything else that, that we can do in obedience to the Lord. It's just going to come there till the day of Jesus Christ. So this word offense uh, is an interesting word. And he says here that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Now let me point out in the book of 1 Corinthians that uh, way that word is used in chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'd like to read in your hearing about three verses there. Here's what it says in verse 31 through verse 33 of chapter 10. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now isn't that something? That we, everything that we do. And then here's where this word is used. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And then Paul goes on to say, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, 
but the profit of many that they might be saved. So what he's warning about there is to be really careful about offense. The word offense in the Greek uh, simply means to stumble, to stumble along in life, to stumble. And of course, all of us are subject to that uh, at times. And so I think that what it means, I'll share with you a couple of things uh, that we should avoid to be without offense. We ought to all avoid things in our life that may lead or induce or tempt us to sin. We need to avoid those things if we want to be without offense. And uh, that we, uh, it may be uh, anything that would be an occasion for a brother or a sister to stumble. We need to avoid that. Uh, or anything that might confirm the wicked in their corruption. And so we find those things that we need to avoid. Then there was something really interesting that I found thinking about this matter, and that is to avoid any actions that are contrary to the light that we've received from the Lord. Avoid anything that, is, that contradicts that, contrary to the light that we've received from the Lord. And we all understand how that can happen. We can go along in life, and we are confronted by something, and then we assess that, as, as we're learning this in the Scripture, that we assess that, is this the right thing, or is this not the right thing? And so, uh, uh, all of us have received light, if we know the Lord, uh, to different degrees. We've learned uh, the right and the wrong of different things. We've learned to discern that as we've gone along in life. So I discovered a case that I think is really interesting of someone who went contrary to the light that the Lord had given him. And, you know, we might be surprised who that was. It was the Apostle Peter. And I'd like to point to a passage of Scripture in the book of Galatians. And in chapter number uh, 2, in the book of Galatians, in chapter number 2, and uh, I remember we studied this back some time ago, and I, I would like to share with you uh, what the Bible says uh, here. Uh, I'll start with verse number 11. And uh, Paul says this, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. Now remember, I'm sharing something with you uh, that uh, addresses the fact of actions that are contrary to light that we've received. Contrary to light that we've received. And so here's what it says in verse 12. For before that certain came from James, and did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he, Peter, withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. They were Jews. There was Jews and Gentiles there. And so when these other Jews showed up, Peter uh, separated himself, from the Gentiles, because he feared, fearing them that were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. 
But when I saw that they walked not upright according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter, Before them all, if thou being a Jew, liveth after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jew, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? And so he confronts Peter uh, in that. And I want to point out something. I, I thought about that. You know, I... I've not found anything, you may know where something is related to this, but I've not found anything where an apostle was confronted like that and accused of something that he did that was wrong. Now, why why does that play into what I'm sharing with you about avoiding uh, things that are contrary to the light that we've been given? Well, Peter had... Uh, had been the first to receive light related to this. And we know that from back in the book of Acts. I'll go back there and share with you. Uh, you you'll know of this uh, story, but it's in chapter number, uh, chapter number 10. And this is about Cornelius. And Cornelius was a Gentile. And uh, he, he uh, was a devout man. And uh, the Bible says that in verse 2, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now this was a Gentile, and remember the time that this falls is that there had been, God, God had not moved among the Gentiles until you get up here to the book of Acts. And, and the Bible says, and he saw a vision about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God came to him, saying unto him, Cornelius, uh, and when he looked at him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, surname is Peter. And so God is leading him. See, he needs to be instructed. He needs the gospel presented to him. He's a man that's under conviction. And so the Bible tells us that uh, he did that. And um, let me see, it says here, oh yes, uh, verse 9, verse 9 of that chapter. And here's what happens. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nine unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Now he's there. He's not been sent for yet, but he's there. And, and the Bible says, and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while, he, while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him. And as it had been a great sheet knit, uh, knit at four corners and let down to the earth, wherein there were all manners of four-footed uh, beasts of the earth, and wild beasts and creeping things and fowl of the air, And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common and unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that called not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, what what that lesson was for Peter was... It had to do with the Gentiles. You know, they weren't common and unclean. 
let me see here. In verse 24 of this chapter, And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and called together his kinsmen near friend. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet, worshipped him. And Peter took, took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how that, that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come, under another, uh, come to one of another nation, but God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you that you might know that Peter had received light related to this. He had received light related to this. Verse 30, it says, And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. He goes on to tell the story. Then, down in verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation. He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So Peter, now there's no question whatsoever that Peter had come to understand that truth. That God had given him light related to that. And, and we're thankful for that uh, because we're all here and we uh, th- are thankful for our relationship with the Lord. And we would say, I'm not a Jew and I'm not of the circumcision, but I've been allowed to come to know the Lord. Sometimes I think we kind of take that for granted. We don't stop to think uh, <clears throat> that we've been blessed in that way. And in, in verse 38 he says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And, uh, of course, it goes on down here, verse 44, and when Peter, <clears throat> and while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. And so, uh, Cornelius and all his house were saved. Now, the point that I've made related to that is that Peter had received light. God had taught him that very clearly, and he had received light. Yet in this passage of Scripture, in the book of Galatians, verse 11 through 15, Paul called him out. Paul called him out because something he did was because of the fear of man. Fear of what somebody else might think of him uh, for reacting in a certain way. That's exactly what that is. And so, uh, because of the fear of man, oftentimes people... Uh, do things or fail to do things because they care about what somebody else might think about them. Think about them. And that's, that's a wrong, uh, way that we should avoid. And so, uh, also in this matter of, uh, uh, matter of, uh, offenses, uh, we are to bla- uh, maintain a blameless conscience before God. Related to that, I'd like to point out something that's said in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16 about that. Uh, Chapter 24 and verse uh, 16. And here's, here's what it says in 24 and verse 16. And here's what he says. And hereunto do I exercise myself 
to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So, having a conscience. You know, uh, the, the wonderful thing about what Christ has done for us is that, as that verse says that we've been looking at on Sunday morning, that He, uh, he came that He might redeem us from all iniquity, that He might redeem us. But you know, as we go along in life, we may have things happen. There may be offenses that would cause our conscience to be bothered. You know, one of the things about offenses uh, in, in this passage of Scripture is that uh, we, can ad- we can admit when we've made a mistake. We can ad- admit that even if we have sinned before God, and you know that doing things that are wrong causes us to sense guilt in our life. And isn't it a wonderful thing that the Bible tells us that when we make mistakes, that we can call on the Lord and we can uh, confess our sin and know that He forgives us of our sin. And so the conscience and the wonderful truth in this is talking about till the day of Christ, to the day of Christ. We're all moving along to that day. We're moving along. And one of the wonderful things about what the Bible teaches us related to that is that any time that we know we've done wrong, that we've messed up in some way or another, that we can ask the Lord to forgive us and the slate becomes clean. And so uh, as we go approaching that time, this is wonderful advice that we have in this passage of Scripture. Now, in, in verse number 11, it talks about more of the blessings or rewards of growing in love. And I don't have time to even start that. And so we'll next Sunday night, the subject matter will be verse 11. I will read it because it's interesting. And it says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So uh, that too is part of that reward uh, that comes by growing. Growing in love. Growing in love. Father, we praise you and thank you for the privilege we've had to address this passage of Scripture, to see something we can pray. And Father, we can pray for individuals, or as in this context, as Paul is praying for a church. This is a prayer that we can pray for our church. And I thank you, dear God, for a church uh, where there's a lot of love. A lot of love. I am so thankful for that. And it's genuine. And it's real. And it comes from You. And we praise You for it. But we need to understand that as our text teaches us, we can grow in that. We can abound in that love yet more and more. And Father, I want to pray that prayer for our church family. We thank You for the love that You put in our hearts. And it shows in our caring about each other and praying for each other and lifting each other up and encouraging each other along the way. And I just want to pray that it would grow, that it would abound yet more and more. Because Lord, when it does, all of these wonderful things that we've seen in our text become a reality. And Lord, we want you to be glorified. And that's one way that that comes about. So we praise you for it. And just bless us now as we close this service. Bless us in this hymn that we're about to sing. 
and uh, bring your will about in our lives, we humbly pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And I would ask that you stand with me now as Brother Aaron leads us in a closing number.